0: Anyway, we're going to open in prayer. I don't know, Jackie, If I know you're just taking a drink there, but would you like to open in prayer tonight? Wasn't it great to hear Jackie's testimony last week? What a blessing to hear her share just a little bit about our life, because every one of us are an incredible miracle of Yehovah. The Father has done so much in our lives, and we all have a story. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. And I'd just like to ask Jackie if she can just open in prayer for us this evening, okay?
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for another day to to celebrate Your goodness, Lord. We thank You for this opportunity to gather as Your children. And Father God, I thank You, Lord, that You are opening our eyes. You. Remove the scales from our eyes and you've opened deaf ears. And Father God, I pray that as we go into your word and, and learn more about you and your word and your plan, Father God, I pray, Lord, that our, our hearts and our minds be receptive to everything that we're being taught. And for those uh, on the live stream, for those on, on Facebook, Father God, I pray, Father God, that every single word spoken will be... Landing on healthy, solid ground, Father God, I pray that you have your way, have your way, have your way in Jesus' name, Yeshua, Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to open up a few scriptures, really
0: continuing on from what we talked about yesterday, if you didn't see the feed from yesterday, victory in Yeshua, just day 49 preparation for Shavuot, just opening up some key things that we don't see normally taught within fellowships today, things that they don't really connect that are so important. What time were things happening? We were talking yesterday a little bit on the basis from Exodus chapter 16, and that was the (laughs) second month, 15th day of the second month. And then Exodus chapter 19, it says it's on the first day of the third month. Well, Shavuot takes place in the third month. It's seven weeks after first fruits, And it's interesting when we go to Leviticus chapter 23, let's just go there, actually. We'll open with that. I was going to open in the book of Acts, but... Anyway, we're off to Leviticus chapter 23. All those that know me, you know, we're just going to just fly around as the spirit leads. <laughs> but one of the things I love about what we said yesterday out of Exodus chapter 16, I'm just going to put my finger in Exodus 16. But the key thing that we talked about yesterday was the importance of the manner of the, the manna that was given, and of course, what is that manna in Hebrew, what does it mean? It's, it means, what is that? What's this? <laughs> That's how excited they were. <laughs> Sometimes when the Father's given you something, you look at it like, what's this? What is this? What am I meant to do with this? Uh, this is what the food, the food that was being given to them, but in verse 7, it said, in the morning, you will see... The glory of the Lord. That's Exodus 16, verse 7. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. And if we go to Leviticus chapter 23, the importance of first fruits at Passover and also first fruits here in Shavuot, and what we see in verse 20 of 23, it says, That in the wave offering, there's different types of wave offerings, but together with the bread of the first fruits. So you have these two wheat loaves that are part of the bread of the first fruits. What are we talking about? The first first fruits, you're taking the first of the crop before you even have a harvest. It's like a faith step. It's like I'm stepping out. I'm giving a wave offering unto you, Father. I thank you for the crop. I pray the rain will not destroy the crop. I pray that everything will be blessed with what we have sown. And we just speak the blessings, the favor of Yehovah over our lives. And here, when we come to Shavuot, it's the wheat harvest And what we're doing is we're bringing that first fruit offering because we've brought in that barley harvest already. Now we're moving into the wheat harvest. And man, I tell you, we're in that place of rejoicing. But I want you to attach what we see in Exodus chapter 16. You will see the glory of Jehovah. And just think about that. You will see the glory of Yehovah. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're up against. It doesn't matter what challenges are there. Listen, it is the father who empowers you to prosper. And yes, the enemy may seek to steal, kill and destroy. And sometimes he might succeed. He might cause you huge hindrances within his life. And that's his job here on earth. He wants to bring a spirit of delay Against the blessings of Yehovah over your life. That's what he does. Everything he does is all about delaying and getting you off the focus of the blessings of what the Father has for you. And many fellowships and many people today, they've they've been disconnected from the blessings of the feast and the importance of the feast and what it all means and the importance of counting off those 50 days and those seven Sabbaths, because they lead up to a very important time. Now, we know in the book of Exodus, they weren't counting off the days. They were walking through the journey. So Passover, they have the deliverance, the angel of death passes over them. He brings them out. They take the spoil for their slavery. And I want us to really bring this before the Father in our salvation. You know what? The enemy has robbed part of all of our lives. He's had us in slavery. He's had us bound. He's had us broken. And some people have been in a place of backsliding or falling away from the Father. And the enemy has robbed those days, robbed those times, robbed those blessings. And the Father's saying, I want you to take those things back because just as the coming out of Egypt, that nation had to repay back the years of slavery, had to repay back. So we just want to proclaim right now, I thank you, Father, that you will pay back everything the enemy has stolen. And this is a biblical principle. And, you know, I'm not just standing preaching faith movement stuff. This is just the word of Yahovah. Everywhere Yeshua went, what did he do? He brought the anointing and the power and the manifestation of the kingdom. And when he brought the kingdom, what happened to every person that was sick? It said all the people who were sick were healed. Well, what about that guy at the gates that Peter and John met at the gate? Beautiful. What about him? He used to come there every day. How come he was never there when Yeshua walked? He was never there. What did, uh, is it James and Peter? Was what, Who is it? James and Peter? It will come to me in a second. But silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give unto you. Yeah. In the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then he's walking and leaping and praising Yehovah. So we see the importance here. We're not just got two unleavened loaves at this time. Okay? We have two leavened loaves, and these loaves are not bad. The Father says, I've purged you over 50 days. I've purged you. I want the wilderness out of you. And hear the word of Yahovah over all of our lives. The father's saying, I want in the place of the wilderness, I want Egypt out of you. I want you to be delivered of the old man. It's time to live by the spirit. And that's what we see in Romans chapter eight, the importance of living by the spirit. Flesh, we come against you in the name of Yeshua. You're not going to rule and it's not that you don't care for your flesh or hate your flesh. You love who you are, but you make it accountable and obedient to the spirit. It's the spirit who is in control. I just finished a fast yesterday. I was, I was fasting and praying for my mom and just praying for the ministry and outreach and things that we are doing. And I have to tell you, I fasted, oh man, I don't know how many times. I couldn't even name the amount of times I fasted. It was one of the most hardest, toughest most difficult fast of my entire life. Man, I don't know if it was because I just had COVID before. I came out of COVID, maybe my body was just flushing with something, but man, I tell you, it was something else. But even in the midst of all of the pain, I didn't take any painkillers. I didn't have any relief. I just said, in the name of Yeshua, I am pressing through. Body, you're going to come in line. I don't care what you're feeling. I don't care what the pain is. I don't care what the Fatigue is like, I don't care what you are pressing against me. In the name of Yeshua, I am pressing through for the victory in Messiah. And this is the authority we have in the Spirit. And I want you to get a hold of this because your flesh is going to complain against you doing that which is of the Spirit. And listen, we should be learning how to live a lifestyle that includes fasting on a regular basis. If we're not in that place of setting ourselves aside on a a continual basis, back in the old days, it was very common for most people in ministry to fast at least one day or two days every single week, just because, listen, we are called to bring the manifestation of the kingdom. Everywhere we go spreads the fragrance and knowledge of Yeshua, and this is the battle, and this is what I love about the feasts. The feasts of Yehovah, the feasts of the Lord, help us get into the cycle and the timetable of the appointed times of the Father that we are called to walk in. And yes, they can be inconvenient, but they're not done away with. Yeshua did. He said, my commandments, keep my commandments. There's no difference between the commandments of Yeshua and the commandments of the Father. And these feasts are important. They're appointed times. Even the Sabbath is important. It's a feast day as well. It's an appointed time. But I want us to go to the book of Acts chapter 1. And I just want to make a statement on how important is it that we understand the need to wait. Don't think that you can evangelize. Don't think that you can go out and make a difference if you're living in the flesh. We've got to learn how to live in the spirit because when we go out, it's not, this is what we have today. We've got a bunch of evangelists on with us tonight, and I know you're all going to agree with what I'm about to say, but evangelism training in mainstream systems today are usually down the track of apologetics. And so the most important thing you have to understand if you want to be an evangelist is apologetics. Well, you go to the scripture, that's not what it's about at all. We are called to go and make disciples of all nations. It's not about getting people to lift their hands. And let me tell you something, if you have been witnessing to someone for seven and a half hours, standing in the freezing cold on the mountains of wherever, you know, uh, you held that person prisoner and they might just not have been able to say no to you and you were not meant to be. Terrorists of the word, where we imprison people to hear what we have to say. But when Yeshua operated, what did he do? He operated with the authority of the Spirit, with signs and wonders following, and then he walked away. And two weeks ago, we talked about the man who came through the roof, or three weeks ago, he came through the roof, was set down before. Yeshua, in that house in Capernaum. And you know what's powerful about that? He says your sins are forgiven. Here he is demonstrating his authority. He says, take your bed up and walk. And you know what he said to him? He said, okay, take take a seat on the front row. I want you to listen to everything I have to say for the next three hours, because I've healed you. Now you need to be delivered. Now you need to be my servant. That's not what happened. He says, take up your bed and walk. This is what he said to him. Go home. (laughs) Could you imagine in many environments where people have a supernatural transformation or a healing, the last thing you say to the person is go home. It's like, come on, sit down. Let's have a cup of tea. How many people can we get around to tell of the incredible miracle that just happened through your life? And then you just want to milk it all the way until the person's so exhausted they can't sit there anymore. No, he said, take up your mat and go home. And what did he do? It says he just walked through the crowd and went home, right? And i surely sure he had a hop skip and he was very thankful and all of that, but he didn't stay in the party. He didn't stay with everyone else that was there. So anyway, as we are gone through the 50 days up to Shavuot, one of the important things is the preparation of the heart. And I want us to take note that every time we're dealing with the feasts of Yehovah, we're dealing with the preparation of the heart. If your heart is in the right place, you're going to witness the supernatural and the transformation. Are we ready to see the dead raised. These are elementary things according to the word. I remember pulling a guy out of a freezer in a morgue. He was frozen, right? Frozen. And I'm still praying over him to be raised from the dead. I'm like, you know what, Father? If you can raise him from the dead, you can fall him out as well. Why not? <laughs> Where is our faith level? Oh, no, he's frozen. I better not pray for him. No, he he died before his time. We should be people who press in and pray for the miraculous. I want to see the transforming power of the spirit. I remember speaking with the guy who was raised from the dead underneath the platform at Reinhard Bonnke's event in Africa. His wife just brought him in the coffin and they thought it was a bomb, but eventually they let him through. And Reinhard's up preaching and doing all his stuff on the stage and He's underneath and just a group of people, not like anyone special, just a couple of people that were just part of the team. They just started praying for him to be raised from the dead because the wife had a promise. You will not lose your husband because he nearly died before. (laughs) And then there he was, he's dead. He was three and a half days in the morgue. He already had all of the stuff pumped into him, iodine and all sorts of weird stuff, man, embalming stuff in him. And she goes down the morgue, hauls him out, says, I'm taking him to this meeting. He is not going to leave me. He's going to rise from the dead. And it's on video. It's live. There's a, There was a video camera that was on. And these just normal people. <laughs> and this is what I want us to get hold of. Normal. Well, look, not normal. If you're in the faith of Messiah, you're supernatural. The normal is supernatural. So when I say normal, I mean normally, supernaturally normal. Yeah. And uh, what happened is he rose from the dead, and it was transforming what took place. So it really was amazing. But in Acts chapter one, we see Yeshua after forty days he preaches on the kingdom, and we need to understand the gospel. And we mentioned from Ezekiel thirty-six yesterday, and also the the dry bones, uh, you know, the born again experience, and everything that we see there. In Ezekiel chapter 37. But in Acts chapter 1, after 40 days of preaching the kingdom, this is what Yeshua says in verse four and a half. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. And that gift is promised in John chapter 14, which you have heard me speak about. For John, he immersed with water, but in a few days, you will be immersed with the Ruach HaKodesh, with the Holy Spirit. So what's he saying? Don't leave. Don't leave. And it doesn't matter where you are right now, if we don't have the overflow, the mikvah of the Spirit. So yes, we all have the Spirit when you're born again. Of course, it's the guaranteed seal. We need that overflowing of the Spirit. What comes in the overflow? And this is very important what things come in the overflow. And I've shared before about being in hospital in intensive care with myocarditis. I had no strength, no energy. My blood leaving the heart was going down to as low as 20 on my AF, which is alarms going off everywhere. And they're just watching, getting ready to start my heart if it stops, especially at night, it just drop, drop, drop. But all the time I was in there, I played the scriptures all day, all night. And what am I doing as I'm playing the scriptures? I am listening. And I'm listening. I'm listening for hours and hours and hours. And there's stuff going on around. I'm listening. I don't care about the alarms. I'm listening. What am I listening for? I'm listening for the rema word, the living word of the spirit, boom, that comes out. And when that word came out from the book of Psalms, and I went on from my hospital bed, you can go back on the YouTube channel, and you can see me share that word straight after. When that living word came forth, what was it? It was the manna. It was the bread of heaven. It was the glory of Yehovah manifesting within my life. We don't do things because we can. And some of us need to realign how we operate within our lives because we think we have gifts and talents. And there's so many things that we can do. Listen, we can get professional at doing lots of stuff. I traveled the world for years as a prophet all over the nations. I saw incredible signs, wonders, and miracles. I saw prophecy flowing into thousands of people's life that was so powerful. It was just insane, from aeroplanes to meeting with people, and people weeping, bawling, being transformed, being saved. Man, the prophetic anointing was so strong. Then in 2003, the Holy Spirit said, if you move in prophecy like you have in the past, your ministry's finished. And sometimes we can become just so secure in who we are and our gifts and our abilities and you think you can just switch them off. I never took the anointing or the prophetic call for granted or that mantle for granted, but the Holy Spirit says it's not about just all personal prophecy and all of those things that were taking place. There was organizations all over the world wanting to ordain me as a prophet to the nations, television networks are opening up and all these channels are happening and ministering to government in America and other countries. And it's just flowing full on. I said to one woman, I said, the father said, you're not going to have a television studio. The father's going to give you a network. In fact, it's not just going to be a normal network. It's going to be one of the largest networks in the country. And then 10 months later, I get a phone call from this person saying, I'd like to invite you to the board because I just bought the largest network, broadcast network on the East Coast of America. And I was given a penthouse in Washington, D.C. They owned the White House lawns. They had full access to government. They managed all the feeds for the Iraq war and all this. And man, it, it, it was amazing. And there I was able to be around all those people, minister to those people. And that opened doors for me to minister to many. But one day the father said, If you minister like you have in the past, your ministry's over. And he said, it's time for the new wine. It's not that anything was wrong with what was going on. He said, it's time for the new wine. He says, I have called you to bring an open heaven. And that's what we need today. We need the open heaven. Because how many times would I fly around to different parts of the world, and I ministered to personally hundreds of thousands of people at the television, radio, everything, And I'd go to different places and congregations that I'd been at maybe three years ago. And I would prophesy the exact same word to the same person three years later. And yet I've ministered to thousands of people in between. How would I have known to prophesy the same word to that person that the only time I met when I prophesied over, over them three years ago. And I had so many encounters of people going crazy because they said, this is the word you gave me two years ago, one year, three years ago, and this would happen time and time again. And I'm like, well, why are you being disobedient? Why don't you get on with the word? Why are you hearing the same word two years on? Why are you not living it? And then I realized that many people, they want to have a book. Oh yeah, go get your book, write all your prophecies and all the words that you receive. Listen, the greatest word you will receive is a word from heaven. And that doesn't put any disvalue on the importance of the prophetic word, but we should not be chasing prophets for a word. We should be chasing in the presence of the Spirit to hear from heaven. We should never be going to a meeting because we're trying to get a word. Because let me tell you, if you are chasing the anointing, you are a person of compromise. Oh, it's getting quiet in this old uh, Methodist fellowship here right now. Yeah, the father told me that anointing chasers are people of compromise. They'll compromise everything because they chase out of desperation. And we are not called to function in the place of desperation. And as we see this 50 days from first fruits to Shavuot, this is not the instant blessing. This is not switch on God. Just give me everything that you have for me. Let it all happen right here, right now. That's not what's taking place here. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My father has promised. You need to receive power from on high before you do what you're called to do. So what are we called to do? You need the word of Yehovah as Gideon had the angel of the Lord come before him and say, you mighty man of valor, you mighty man of war. That was the last thing Gideon was thinking about. He wasn't like, oh yeah, that, oh man, awesome. In fact, he's like, what are you talking about? And what was he doing? He was making bread in the wine press. And as we see the importance of what bread offers, if you can't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. I am the bread of life. And there he is in the place of making bread for the people. And what's Yeshua, who's the angel of the Lord, what's he saying to Gideon? I'm going to have the glory of Yehovah manifest on your life. And you're going to bring forth my word. Because how did he destroy the enemy in battle of the Midianites? The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. It was a declaration, a blowing of the shofar. It wasn't like, how strong are you? How awesome are you? and and look at your gift and talent, go use that. No, it was standing in the place, breaking a jar, and allowing the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of God, to manifest. And I believe today, the Father is saying, I'm pouring out my spirit afresh upon our lives. And every year, At this time, this day, we should be in preparation for an even greater outpouring upon our lives. We need to be refreshed. When you have a shower, you're just washing your body. You're not putting nutrients in your body. You're just washing. When you read the scriptures, you're having a shower. But when we are meditating on the word and we are pressing in on the scripture and seeking the glory of the Lord, the bread, the manna, the living word. What are we doing? We are coming to that place to receive His word over our lives, and just like Johann Ben Zachariah, John the Baptist, he had a word. When they came and said, "Who are you? Are you the Messiah?" He says, "No, I'm the one preparing the way, and I want you to think today as the Spirit wants." to speak to you. Every single one of us are born for such a time as this. But what is the word of Elohim over your life? What's the word of the Lord over my life? We need to know the word. Don't move until you receive power from on high. Don't move until you receive instruction. Listen, it's not about getting fuel in your tank. When the Holy Spirit pours out, because when the Holy Spirit pours out, what comes out of your mouth? The gospel, the transformation. So we see 3,000 people added as Peter stands up and addresses the crowd. And this connects with the golden calf, where 3,000 people were taken, because that's the whole reason why Yeshua died, because Israel was in a marriage covenant with Yeshua not with the father, at Mount Sinai. And that marriage covenant that he had, they came under the blood. That's why he said to Moses, when they sinned with the golden calf, what did Moses do when he walked down off the mountain? He smashed the ketubah, the 10 commandments, the conditions of the marriage. Why did he smash them? Because you've broke the conditions of the marriage. You have come under the blood with the hyssop. Every single one of you. The sentence over you is the sentence of death. Yeshua had to die on the execution stage to set them free from the sentence of death. And Moses, he goes back before the Lord. He says, stand aside, I'll kill them all. And I'm going to start again with you. They broke my covenant. The sentence is death. And there's no there's no reversal of this. And what did Moses say? <laughs> Not in your fat Nelly. That's not going to happen. I'm not not going to, you know, goodness me, I've had enough of these people. Am I not getting old enough? Well, you think you're going to start with me? Oh, like Abraham? No, 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 that's not going to happen. You need to find another way. So what was the other way? It was the introduction of changing from the priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, the priesthood that was given at the time of Mount Sinai was the priesthood of Melchizedek. And some people and theologians, they confuse this and they think the scriptures are out of place, like it goes forward, comes back, and it's not in chronological order. And they say, well, this is the Levitical priesthood, but it was the priesthood under the order of Melchizedek that was being put in place. So what was introduced was the Levitical order, which was a temporary solution to cover the sins until the price would be paid. So someone has to die. Now, no one could understand that the person who would die would be the Messiah who was married to Israel. No one understood that that was going to take place. So Anyway, I want to go to Exodus chapter 19, just so that you have a, a couple of notes to put in of what happens at Mount Sinai, just so that you know the timeline of what's taken place, that this is in the season and the timing of Shavuot. It says in verse one, on the first day of the third month, after the Israelites had left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai, after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain And what's so important about getting to Mount Sinai? it's not just about getting out of Egypt and getting into the promised land. you cannot walk into the promised land until you've been through your wilderness. And if you don't learn the lessons in the wilderness, the father's going to keep you in the wilderness until you get, the old man out of you to enter into his kingdom. So many people are just wanting to show, I'm in the kingdom, we're all in the kingdom. Yeah, you are born again of the spirit, yeah. But there was a whole generation who died in the wilderness because of what? Unbelief. It wasn't unbelief in being human. It wasn't unbelief in, oh, they could testify to the pillar of fire. They could testify to the pillar of cloud, they could testify to the cross of the Red Sea, they could testify to salvation that was given to them at Pesach. So what is it that brings them through? The belief, you know, if you're going to enter in the promised land, you've got to stand on the promise of Yehovah. So what's the promise of Yehovah? This is why it's not about what do you want to do for him? We need to ask the question, Father, what are you doing And how do I be a part of it? So in your area, you're part of the world, wherever you're listening, if you're on the Facebook feed right now, or if you're on the Zoom feed right now, wherever you are, you've got to ask the question, Father, what are you doing here? Just like I did when I I drove around Buckhaven and Fife this morning, I'm driving around all over the place, going to all these different places. Father, what are you doing here? And he's just, he's given me that witness. He said, I'm going I'm to move here. I'm going to pour out my spirit here. Something's going to happen here. I'm like, I've already seen a mighty revival in that area as a child. And the father said, something's going to happen here. We need to hear from heaven what he is doing. So why are you where you are? Don't think you're just passing time till you get into the sweet by and by. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. You are born again for such a time as this. And it's not about your skill, it's your availability. It's not about your ability, it's his ability in you. Sometimes you look at people and their anointings and the things that they're doing and you think, wow, oh man, that's pretty cool what the father's doing through that person. But the question is, do you know the price they paid for where they are today. Do you know the years they went through? Do you know the struggles? Do you know the rejection? Do you know the brokenness? Do you know the attacks? I remember a time in our ministry when we had all these people, and it happened, happened just a few years ago as well, two times, like assassination, people trying to assassinate our character, trying to tell people terrible things against us that are all lies and trying to uh, destroy who we are. Through all these things, you don't know where people have come from. So stop looking at a finished product of someone who is walking in their fullness of their anointing in the greatest part of their gifting. Every one of us, that's not how we feel. It, the more you know in the Spirit, the more humble we should become and know how much we need to depend in the presence of Yehovah. The Father didn't raise us up for a spirit of pride. He raised us up for a place of humility. He wants us to be humble before him. He wants us to recognize the reason you are seeing the things you are seeing is not because of you. As soon as you take the credit and think it's you, the Holy Spirit just moves back. Okay, on you go. You want to go by yourself? On you go. Let's see how that works out for you. How many people do we know that that's happened? And and you're like, Whoa stop, what are you doing? And you can see it, that pride, that hardening of the heart that starts to come in. The enemy is seeking to rob, seeking to pull, seeking seeking to to draw you away. And what's the Spirit saying? I'm going to bring you into the new. So at Mount Sinai here, we see it's the third month that's taken place in chapter 19. As we break down into chapter 19, what's the very thing that he is talking about here? And we see in verse four, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. It wasn't about your ability. You you might have thought, I've even got the energy to walk all the miles I'm walking with women, children, all ages, all different problems that are going on. Guess what? Their clothes grew with them. The provision was kingdom provision. You want to see the greatest example in the scripture of the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth It is the coming out of Egypt in the book of Exodus. He fights the battles for them. He gives them victory, right? He protects their health. He gives them water through the rock, Yeshua, hallelujah, all the substance, everything that they need. It, they're totally reliant upon the Father and what he is doing. And this is what we see in the prayer that Yeshua taught the disciples. They call it the large prayer, but really it's the disciples' prayer, isn't it? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? That means supernatural war. That means that that there's an authority of what is in heaven and what's in heaven, that which is perfect, that which is good. That's why healing, we should expect to see healing and transformation because we are bringing that from heaven. What's in heaven we bring onto this earth. And what does it say? Give us today our daily bread. And what's one of the key things that unlocks everything within our lives? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. You want the very greatest thing that will cut you off from the blessings of Jehovah. It is unforgiveness. Because when you enter into unforgiveness, you put yourself above the forgiveness of Jehovah. So the father can't help you because you're up there. Now, you're already, you've moved out the realm. You can't get help. If you're in a place of unforgiveness, you don't get rid of that. You cannot receive the grace and mercy of the Father. Anyway, so we're reading here next, this chapter 19, now in verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Now, what's happening here? We are seeing the promise that was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 and 17, the covenant that was given to Abraham. You will be my treasured possession. Abraham was given that check, you know, for a hundred million billion trillion dollars. You know, one of those checks or the equivalent in his day. Oh, but guess what? Guess what, uh, Abraham? You can't cash it. It's for four generations from now. Man, could you imagine if someone walked up to you and say, I want to bless you with I'm going to give you five million pounds right now or five million dollars. Oh, thanks very much. Oh, but you can't cash it. I just put a date on it for 400 and something years from now. (laughs) You'd be like, well, that's no good to me. That's not what Abraham said. He didn't say that's no good to me. He started to invest in the next generation in accordance with the covenant and with accordance with the promise. And this is the spirit that the father wants to put into us at Shavuot. That we realize the reason we're having the mikvah of the spirit is for us to receive what needs to be given to this generation and to the generations to come. I don't get caught up in all the fear mongering of all these people that oh, you know, Yeshua is coming back any day. He's almost back. No, he's not, because I've read Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven and many other passages until the whole house of Israel is back in Israel until the the glory of God manifests in the physical land of Israel for all of the nations to witness, the Messiah is not coming back yet. And some people think, well, that only happens when he comes back, and that's the great gathering, contrary to Scripture. So I believe we've only got 50% of Bible prophecy fulfilled, and I'm not saying that things can't be revved up at a heavy rate, but what I'm saying is there's some key things we need to see Because when you see in Micah chapter 4, and it talks about those kings and leaders of great nations coming to inquire of Elohim in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord, right? They're coming there to inquire and to settle their disputes. What does it say? They will worship and serve their gods, but as for us, we will worship and serve our God. Now, it can't be millennial kingdom because Yeshua's reigning for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom, and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's over everything. There's no kingdom on earth running its own system uh, except that which is subject to the king of kings. So it says, as for us, we will serve the Lord. They will serve their gods. That's what it says in Micah chapter 4. Write a note, Dan. Go back and look at Micah chapter 4, and you'll see what I'm talking about there, just what's happening. So what's he saying? I'm going to bring the covenant of Abraham to you in Exodus chapter 19, that covenant out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Why? This is the plan of salvation and deliverance for the whole world. If we are not grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel... We don't understand our identity. If you are born again, there's no covenant in the Bible for for the guy, for the nations. We have to be grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel. If we're not grafted in, we're not part of the covenant, which is Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. And then we also see it in the book of Hebrews chapter 8. So it says, you're going to be that treasure possession, although the whole earth is mine, You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. What's taken place here in chapter 19, the father is saying, I want a commitment from Israel that's come out of Egypt and I am going to marry. Now, it doesn't say the word marry, right? But we see clearly that what is taking place here is a marriage. This is what has to take place. So we can be born again but if you're just born again and that's all you needed, why don't we just fly away? Oh, I'm born again. Fly away. Okay, you're in. Why do we have to be that bride who is spotless and without blemish? Because we are called to be the bride of Messiah. It's not just our salvation, and it's not that salvation has two parts. You have one part, you don't have the other part. No, it's The importance of understanding the reason why we have to be married to Yeshua is because Adam and Eve gave up the right of dominion over the earth to Hasatan. And in giving up that right, they gave up their position, which the Father gave to mankind through Adam and Eve. And their seed were born into sin. If they had passed the test that took place in the garden with the snake, All the children of Adam and Eve would have been born into righteousness. Hallelujah. (laughs) We would have had eternal life. We would have been partaking of the tree of life, which is the Messiah, and be walking in the fullness in Messiah. But this is why we see the temptations of Yeshua that takes place for 40 days. And so many times we see these patterns of 40 days, and it's quite powerful as we look at that pattern that's laid out. There he was in the wilderness, like we see the children of Israel going out into the wilderness. And there's Yeshua going out into the wilderness for those 40 days. He's fasting and he's waiting. And what does the enemy come and say? I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He didn't say, what are you talking about? You don't own the kingdoms of the world. (laughs) yeah, he has got that lease all over the kingdoms of the world. Yeshua had to pay the ultimate price because of the golden calf for the forgiveness of sins. And when he was tempted, he succeeded. And he said, away from me, HaSatan, worship the Lord thy God and serve him only, Matthew chapter 3. So in seeing that, what we see is that everyone who is born of the spirit in Messiah, you are born unto righteousness. Hallelujah. You're born unto righteousness. So we are born again. We receive the spirit as our guaranteed seal, as we read in the book of Ephesians. And that's just so powerful. And then what we've got to do is we've got to realize that we need to be continually filled with his spirit. We need more of his spirit within our lives. So, I hope you're getting what we're talking about here in this portion of scripture. And for homework, and just for those who haven't gone through the book of Hosea, you see the book, the prophetic book of impossibility. It's the book of Hosea. How can this be? How can a prophet to Israel speak forth a word of how? God is going to reconcile himself to a people who are what? Children of adulteries. we see in verse 4 of Hosea, Hosea chapter 2. But it says in verse 15 of chapter 2 of Hosea, there I will give her back her vineyards. And basically what he's saying, I'm going to turn them around, verse 14. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness. Again, we've got the wilderness. And I want you to see these fifty days every year that we have from firstfruits through to Shavuot Pentecost, times where we are put into the wilderness. Yeshua was put into the wilderness. He wasn't in sin. He went into the wilderness for forty days. He wasn't in sin. He was there to be tested. He was there to deal with the flesh. He was there to succeed. And he said, "Israel, the book of the prophecy, book of impossibility." He said, I'm going to put you back into the wilderness, right? I'm going to speak tenderly to you. Verse 15, there I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Akkar a door of hope. Oh, hallelujah. What's that valley of Akkar? It's the valley of trouble. So, next time you face trouble, get up, run around the house, lift your hands start praising. You're in that valley of trouble. Why? Because it's a door of hope. You know what, devil? Your time is up. I'm not going to fall in your plans, in your system. (laughs) And what does it say in the next part of the verse? There she will respond as in the day of her youth. So what was the day of her youth? It was Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 20. That's the day of the youth. And Here we see something very powerful. As in the day she came up out of Egypt, verse 16, in that day declares Yehovah, you will call me my husband. You will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of Baals from her lips. Okay, so what I want us to get hold of today is that we do not take for lightly the importance of the flow of the feasts of Yahovah, that we take very seriously the importance of being in the right place before the Father, that we press in. And Ezekiel chapter 37 is an important portion of Scripture. And one of the verses through here on 26 is, important or is it what verse is it hold on verse 24 so i'm going to read from verse 24 obviously in verse 15 we see the two sticks becoming one and in the messianic writings when we see the one new man teaching that's taken place there, it's talking about ezekiel chapter 37 there's a lot of teaching in the messianic community and the christian community that one new man is Jews, and they say the Jews are just the whole, all of Israel, and the Gentiles, that's those of of the nations. That is not what it's talking about. It's talking about the two houses of the Lord, the two sticks that have to come together as one, the hostility that has been between them. And what's the whole focus is bringing them, like we saw in Exodus chapter 19, I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to make you into a nation of priests, right? I'm going to bless you. And what does it say? I'm just trying to find it here. I've got a different Bible here. Verse 21, and say this to them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 21. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them for all around. I will bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, there will be one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. This is end time prophecy. This didn't happen. So we can't just take that the Jews are the whole house of Israel, because that's not true. If you speak to some of the orthodox religious Jews today, they'll tell you The sign of Messiah is when Ephraim returns. That's what they're waiting for, Ephraim to return. And that's the blessing we talked about from Genesis chapter 49 over the life of Joseph. And it was that weight that was put on Joseph, that blessing, that authority, that double portion that was put upon his life, of course, that was passed to Ephraim. So what does it say? There'll be one king over all of them. They'll never again be divided. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. I will save them for all their sinful backsliding. Now, what are we seeing here? We're seeing the message of salvation in Messiah being preached in Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is confirmed In chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, okay? So it says here, backsliding, okay, I will cleanse them. I'm back in 37, verse 23. They will be my people and I'll be their Elohim. My servant David will be king over them. And they will have one shepherd. They will follow my laws. They'll follow my instructions and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant, Jacob, the land where your ancestors live. So this is not talking about heaven now. This is talking about a literal place on earth called Israel, the land of your ancestors, Jacob. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their number, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. And that's what we see in the book of Revelation. You know, the the, the sanctuary, the new Jerusalem coming down in the center, the bride, as it says, in Revelation right there. I think it's chapter 20. My dwelling place will be with them and I will be their Elohim and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I am Yehovah, that I, Yehovah, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. Hallelujah. So there's important elements of scripture that we've just read there. And I believe these are important as we look at Shavuot today. And as we just come to the end of the message here just now, I know it's been a little bit longer than what we're saying here, but I just wanted to get this out because I think it's important that we are people who are preparing our hearts. And sometimes we can say, okay, I'm preparing my hearts. Let's just look at how busy we are. How much time is the enemy robbing off you on a daily basis? It's time for you to start taking back what the enemy is stealing and saying, you know, you're not going to rob from me anymore. Because what do we need to do? We need to have an ear to hear the glory of the Lord, the bread. We need the manna from heaven. We need the word, not just our ability and not just what we think we've learned and we understand. That's why many people, when they get a theological degree, they're they're just no good to God after that. It's like, what do many people call theological Bible study? They call it the cemetery. Why people walk in all full of faith, excitement, joy. They go to theological Bible college. What do they end up like? Yeah, I'm not saying this is with everybody, but they lose that edge of reliance on the Spirit. Yeah, let's gain wisdom and knowledge from the Spirit and understand. Let's be educated. I'm not saying no to any of that. I have a doctor of theology, right? But what I'm saying is the importance is never lose touch. Of the voice of the Spirit. Never lose touch of knowing how to wait for the Holy Spirit to pour out. So that's just what I want to share with you this evening. Of course, you know, everything is is about the marriage, as we see in John chapter 14. The whole reason why he brought the Spirit was to bring us to the place so that we can hear and learn everything of Yeshua. So that we could be that bride without spot and blemish, because in John chapter 14, verse 1, Yeshua says, I'm going to a place, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And it's not so you can come and live in heaven and sit up there for the next, uh, you know, billion years. It's so that you can come to the, the marriage. You're called to be married. And that's, that happens at the father's house. And then we reign with him in the millennial kingdom. And then there's a new heaven and a new earth. We're not destined to go live in heaven forever. Oh, you need to get born again so you can go to heaven. Well, you're only going to heaven for the wedding, uh, Sukkot, the wedding time, Feast of Tabernacles. That's the wedding time. Hallelujah, where he dwelt amongst us. And, you know, we also see that foreshadowed in the birth of Yeshua. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, for Shavuot. I thank you, Father, for what you say in the word. Wait till we receive power from on high. And Father, we want to be faithful to you. We want to recognize who you are and what you're doing within each and every one of our lives. And Father, we know that we are cracked vessels. We can all sit here and know there's many places where we have fallen short. But we thank you for your grace and mercy. And Father, there's even places where we don't understand and we're just trying to work things out. And Father, we ask that you teach us. We ask that you speak into our lives because we don't have all the answers. We don't know everything. We need each other as the body of Messiah. We need you, Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit. We need you within our lives. We call out to you right now and ask for a fresh filling of your spirit. We call out to you, and if there's things that we have shared here tonight, if there's any words that we've shared here tonight that have just sparked something in your spirit, the word is sparked in the spirit to bring the fire for alignment. It's not about judgment. It's about us saying, yeah, the feasts are about aligning ourselves with the Father, to be in His heartbeat, to be in His time. So, Father, if there's a place where we're out of line, we want to be in place, we want to be in time, so that as we go out from this place, that we can make disciples, that we can be effective for you. So, we just take a moment, and we just lift our hands before you, Father, and we ask you to speak to us, And I ask, Father, that you open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts, Father, so we can know you more. I ask, Father, that you do a deeper work within each and every one of our lives. We don't want to just go out from here the same, but we want to receive a word from heaven. We want to receive from you. Minister to your body today minister to your body in Yeshua's name. So pour out your spirit upon our lives right now. And we ask, Father, that you will just minister to each and every one of us. We love you, Father, and we bless your name in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. What a blessing to be in the ward, and thanks for being patient with me. I know I was going a little fast there, but this is also recorded. You can go over some of these things. Maybe I should have the name Shotgun Preacher or something. (laughs) We get going on these things, but I just want us to get a handle on what the Spirit is saying for us today at this time.